Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Follow the marquee and come to the Monday matinee. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. And welcome to season 13, episode 565. Saddle up with my co host, cow punching star of stage and sound screen, David Alt. Yeehaw. Are we back on a <laughs> Western themed show again, Jack? <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. I just can't <laughs> seem to help myself, David. This show has two things I dearly love an old time Western and an adapted story from the eternal Robert E. Howard. Uh, you don't possibly mean the Robert Howard famed for Conan the Barbarian. As well as Solomon Kane, Red Sonia. Cull of Atlantis, and many more. He wrote many things uh, beyond just the famous sword and sorcery tales we're familiar with, and tonight is one of his Western tales adapted by Graphic Audio. You don't mean THE Graphic Audio, who does all of the Marvel Comics audio adaptations. Yeah, you're leaning awfully hard on that poor three-letter article, my friend, but none other... I'm I'm leaning very hard on the script as well, Jack. Yes. (laughs) I don't know who Robert Howard is. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) <laughs> and also including the Stormlight Archive, Staring Down the Devil, Golgotha, the Pirate Queen, Alive from Scott Sigler, and so much more. Tonight's show is The Last Ride, and I figured it was apropos, as it's the beginning of The Last Ride here for the Sonic Society Season 13. What, so soon? I'm afraid so, but with thanks to Angie Cornette, it all begins right here. On the Sonic Society. The Last Ride, by Robert E. Howard. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. Five men rode down the winding road that led to San Leon. Why don't you just shut the hell up? (laughs) Aw, baby brother Bucky's nervous. You don't want to be no bandit, do you, Bucky? Now welt on your jaw to answer that, Jim. You put up a fight, I'll give you that. I thought we'd never get you on your horse and started for San Leon without knocking out. About the only way you show your Laramie, Bucky, is in the handling of your fists. Tain't no honor to be a Laramie. You, Luke, and Tom, and Hank has dragged the name through the dirt. For the last three years, you've been worse than a pack of starving wolves. Stealing cattle and horses, robbing folks. While the country's near ruin because of us. And now you're headed to San Leon to put on the final touch. You know damn well the help the ranchman got from the cattleman's bank has been all that kept them on their feet. Old man Brown stretched himself now to the busting point to help folks. <laughs> it's the last time. You won't get me into no raid again. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's the last time for all of us. We're through after this job. We'll live like honest men in Mexico. Serve you right if a posse caught us and hanged us all. Not likely. Nobody but us knows the trail that follows the secret water holes across the desert. Once out of town and headed south of the border, the devil himself couldn't catch us. 
Say, you don't think anybody could ever just stumble onto our hideout, do you, Jim? Not in a million years, Hank. Too well hit. Just like the desert trail, nobody but us knows the Los Diablos mountain trails. It sure served us well. All the steers and horses we've hit up there and drove through the mountains to Mexico, and the times we've laid up there laughing as the posse chased around. Buckler and me had no fondness for that hidden lair high up in the Baron Diablos. Three years before, he had reluctantly followed his brothers into it from the little ranch in the foothills where old man Laramie and his wife had worn away their lives in futile work. The old life when their parents lived and had held their wild sons in check had been drab and hard, but it lacked the bitterness he had come to know when cooking and tending house for his brothers in that hidden den from which they had ravaged the countryside. Four headstrong boys had become four bad men. San Leon lay as if slumbering in the desert heat as the five brothers rode up to the doors of the cattleman's bank. None noted their coming. The Red Load Saloon, favorite rendezvous for the masculine element of San Leon, stood at the other end of the town and out of sight around a slight bend in the street. The men pulled bandanas up over their lower faces almost as a matter of tradition, even though everyone would know it was the Laramie Gang. No words were passed. Each man knew his part beforehand. The three elder Laramie slid lively out of their saddles, throwing the reins to Buck and Luke, the second youngest. They strode into the bank, closing the door behind them. Luke's face was impassive as he dragged leisurely on a cigarette, though his eyes gleamed between slitted lids. But Buck twisted nervously in his saddle. He started convulsively at the gunshots from inside the bank. Luke's Colt was in his hand, then the bank door burst open. The three outlaws carried bulging canvas sacks, and Hank's sleeve was crimson. Old Brown, throw down on Hank, old fool. Ride like hell! They thundered past houses from which startled individuals peered bewilderedly, past stores where leathery-faced storekeepers were dragging forth blue-barreled scatterguns. They swept through the futile rain of lead that poured from the excited and befuddled crowd in front of the Red Load, and whirled on toward the desert that stretched south of San Leon. But not quite to the desert, for as they rounded the last bend in the twisting street and came abreast of the last house in the town, they were confronted by the gray-bearded figure of Old Pop Anders, Sheriff of San Leon County. The old man's gnarled right hand rested on the ancient single-action colt on his thigh. His left was lifted in a command to halt. Get out of the way, Pop! We don't want to hurt you! Rob the bank this time, huh? Likely spilt blood, too. Good thing Frank Laramie died before he could know what skunks his boys turned out to be. You ain't content to steal our stock till we're not bankrupt. You gotta rob our bank and take what little money we got left for a new start. Ain't there nothing that's too low down for you? You wasted our time long enough, old man, to get out of the way! Luke sent his horse rearing, about to plunge toward the defiant figure. His hat went skyrocketing from his head. But the old sheriff fell face forward in the dust. Well, he asked for it. And the Laramie gang swept on into the desert. Only young Buck Laramie looked back to see the door of the last house fly open and a pigtailed girl run out to the still figure in the street. 
It was the sheriff's daughter, Judy. She and Buck had gone to the same school in the old days before the Laramies hit the Wolf Trail. Buck had always been her champion. Now she went down on her knees in the dust beside her father's body, seeking frantically for a spark of life where there was none. Damn you to hell, Luke! Hell, I didn't aim to kill him. The old wolf would have hung every one of us if it could. But just the same, I didn't mean to kill him. But you did! You're all a pack of murderers! All of you! Damn you all to hell! I wish I'd never been born a Laramie. His brothers did not reply, nor even look at him. Buck slumped in his saddle and rode dismally on. San Leon and the old life lay behind them all. Somewhere south of the hazy horizon, the desert stretched into Mexico where lay their future. And Buck's destiny was inextricably interwoven with that of his brothers. He was an outlaw too now, and he would have to stay with the clan to the end of their last ride. Six years later. Almost there, old girl. As the weary horse headed toward San Leon, some guiding angel must have caused the rider to lean forward to pat the head of his sorrel, for at that instant... A bullet ripped through his hat brim instead of his head. There was a startling surprise, but his reaction was instant. He leapt from his horse and dove for the protection of a sandbag. A second bullet spurting dust at his heels. Then he was undercover, colt in hand, peering warily out. The tip of a white hat showed above a rim of sand, 200 yards in front of him. He blazed away at it, knowing as he pulled the trigger that the range was too long and the target too small for six-gun accuracy. Nevertheless, the hat top vanished. Taking no chances. Here I am, a good hour's ride from San Leon, and folks are potting at me already. Looks bad for what I'm aiming to do. Now, who the hell is he? Somebody that knows me after all these years? Buck Laramie couldn't believe that anyone would recognize the lanky, half-grown boy of six years ago and the bronzed, range-hardened man he was now. The sun was burning hot, and the sand felt like an oven. His canteen was slung to his saddle, and his horse was out of reach, drooping under a scrubby mesquite. The other fellow would eventually work around to a point where his rifle would outrange a six-gun, or he might shoot the horse and leave Buck a foot in the desert. The instant his attacker fired again, Buck was up and away in a stooping, weaving run to the next sandhill, to the right and slightly forward of his original position. He wanted to get in close quarters with his unknown enemy. He wriggled from cover to cover and sprinted over narrow strips of open ground, taking advantage of every rock, cactus bed, and sandbank. The hidden gunman had guessed his purpose and obviously had no desire for a close-range fight. I'm counting right. He's got to reload that Winchester. And now Laramie was within striking distance of his enemy's sand rim cover. Here goes nothing. Springing recklessly to his feet, he charged straight at his hidden enemy, the six-gun blazing. The Winchester was silent, and the gunman evidently dared not lift himself high enough to land the sights of a six-gun. But a revolver is only effective as long as it's loaded. And as he spent his last bullet, Laramie dove behind a rise of sand and began desperately to jam cartridges into his empty gun. He had failed to cross the sand rim in that rush, but another try would gain it, unless hot lead cut him down on the way. Huh. Buck glanced over his shelter and saw a pinto pony beyond the sand rim heading in the direction of San Leon. Its rider wore a white sombrero. Damn! Laramie slammed the cylinder in place and sent a slug winging after the rapidly receding horseman. 
But the rider was already out of range. Reckon the work was getting too close for him. Buck trudged back to his horse. Hell, maybe he didn't want me to get a good look at him. But why? Nobody in these parts would be shy about shooting at a Laramie. But who'd know I was a Laramie? He swung up into the saddle, then absently slapped his saddlebags, and the sound soothed him. Those bags were loaded with $50,000 in gold eagles, and every penny was meant for the people of San Leon. I don't know how I'm gonna pay him back for the men the Laramie's killed, but I'll try. The money represented all he had accumulated from the sale of the Laramie stock and holdings in Mexico, holdings bought with money stolen from San Leon. It was his by right of inheritance, for he was the last of the Laramies. Big Jim, Tom, Hank, Luke, all had found trails end in that lawless country south of the border. They had tried to live straight in Mexico, but the wild blood was still there. As they had lived, so had they died, facing their killers with smoking guns in their hands. Buck looked upon it all as a slate wiped clean. It was a natural thing for Buck to discuss his musings with his horse, though the conversation was a bit one-sided. If that gunman knowed I was a Laramie, it might have been anybody. But how could he know? Joel Waters wouldn't talk. Joel Waters, old-time friend of Laramie's father, long ago, and owner of the Box W Ranch, was the only man who knew Buck Laramie was returning to San Leon. After a while, Laramie topped the last desert sand hill that sloped down to the town. San Leon at last. Last time I seen it, it was... What the devil? Come on, old girl! As Buck Laramie galloped into San Leon, a sight met his eyes, which jerked him back to a day six years gone. Dear God! For tearing down the street came six wild riders. In the lead rode one, who with his huge frame might have been Big Jim Laramie come back to life. Behind them, the crowd at the Red Load was shooting wildly and ineffectively. There was but one man to bar the bandit's path. One man who stood, legs braced wide, guns drawn, in the roadway before the last house in San Leon. Though this man was much younger, there was more than the situation to remind Laramie of the old sheriff. That's Bob Anders, Pop's son! He too wore a silver star. The whole scene had a quality of unreality. But this time Buck Laramie did not stand helplessly by to see a sheriff slaughtered. <laughs> All in one motion, Laramie was out of the saddle and on his feet beside the sheriff. This time, two would meet the charge, not one. Laramie saw that masks hid the faces of the riders as they swept down, and he thumped back the hammer on his gun. Beside him, the young sheriff nodded, and the two opened up. Under their fire, a clumped group of bandits split apart. One man, who wore a Mexican sash instead of a belt, slumped in his saddle, clawing for the horn. Another, with his right arm flopping broken at his side, was fighting his pain-maddened beast, which had stopped a slug intended for its rider. The big man who had led the charge grabbed the man with the sash as he started to slide limply from his saddle and dragged him across his own bow. He bolted across the roadside and plunged into a dry wash. The others followed him. The man with the broken arm abandoned his own crazed mount and grabbed the reins of the riderless horse. They slid over the rim and out of sight in a cloud of dust. They're not getting away, damn it! Anders started across the road on the run, but Laramie jerked him back. Hold on, Sheriff! They're covered! Yeah! Yeah! With a slap on the rump, he sent his horse galloping to a safe place. We gotta get out of sight. You're right. Follow me, stranger. Anders wheeled and darted for the house. Bullets whined after them from the gulch as the outlaws began their stand. 
The door opened inward before Ender's outstretched hand touched it, and the two men plunged in as bullets smacked the jams and splinters flew. Buck collided with something soft and yielding and tumbled to the floor under the impact, glaring wildly down. Laramie found himself face to face with a vision of loveliness that took his breath away. Oh, God! He leapt to his feet and lifted the girl after him. His stunned gaze took her in, from tousled blonde hair to whipcord breeches and high-heeled riding boots. Sorry, miss. I hope you ain't hurt. I was... I was, uh... Buck snatched the girl out of line of the window and in an instant was crouching beside it himself, throwing lead across the road toward the distant smoke wisps. Anders barred the door and grabbed a Winchester from a rack on the wall. He knelt at the window on the other side of the door. Duck into a back room, Judy. Partner, I don't know you, but I'm plenty grateful. Hilton's the name. Friends call me Buck. God damn it! Buck needed to reload. Here. Startled, Buck turned his head to stare full into the disturbingly beautiful face of Judy Anders. She had not obeyed her brother's order, but had taken a loaded rifle from the rack and brought it to Laramie, crossing the room on hands and knees to keep below the line of fire. Laramie almost forgot the man across the road as he stared into her deep, clear eyes. Thank you, miss. And excuse my language. Early, I, I didn't know you were still in the room. He ducked convulsively as a bullet ripped across the sill, throwing splinters like a buzzsaw. Shoving the Winchester out of the window, he set to work. But he was remembering a still figure sprawled in the dust of that very road, and a pigtailed child on her knees beside it. Judy! Will you get out of here? Yeah, you in there? That's Sam Peters calling at the back door. Go let him in, and stay back there, will you? This time she obeyed, and a few seconds later, half a dozen men from the Red Load Saloon entered. They had slipped around through a back route to the besieged cabin. Keep down, you man! Yes, sir. They was after the bank. They didn't get nothing, though. Eli Harrison started slinging lead the minute he seen them masks coming in the door. He didn't hit nobody, and by good luck, the lead they throwed at him didn't connect, but they pulled out in a hurry. I tell you, Harrison sure surprised me. I never thought much of him before now, but he showed he was ready to fight for his money and Arn. The sheriff peered warily through the jagged shards of the splintered windowpane. Same outfit, of course. Gotta be. The damn Laramies again. Big Jim leading, as usual. You, you think it's the Laramies out there? Couldn't be nobody else. They were gone for six years, where nobody knew. But a few weeks back, they showed up again and started raising hell, worse than ever. Killed Bob's old man right out there in front of his house! Peter selected a rifle from the rack and joined Bob by the window. But I've heard of them. And I heard they was all killed down in old Mexico. Couldn't be. He's the old gang, all right. They put up warnings signed with the Laramie name. Got a hideout up in the Los Diablos, too. Just like they did before. Same one, of course. I ain't managed to find it yet, but... Hey! Shooting stopped out there. What you reckon it means? It means they're aiming to sneak out of that wash at the other end and hightail it into the desert. Damn it, I ought have thought of that before. But things been happening so fast. Y you men stay here and keep smoking the wash so they can't bolt out on this side. I'm gonna circle around and block them from the desert. I'm with you. I wanna see what's behind them masks. We'll keep them busy. You bet! They ducked out the back way and began to cut a wide circle which would bring them to the outer edge of the wash. It was difficult going, and frequently they had to crawl on their hands and knees to take advantage of every clump of cactus and greasewood. Getting pretty close. What I'm wondering is, is why aren't they already bolted for the desert? 
Nothing to stop them? I figure they want to get me if they could before they lit out. I believe I've been snooping around the Diablos too close to suit them. Oh, look out! They've seen us! Both men flattened down behind their scanty cover, and the bullets cut up puffs of sand within inches of them. Oh, this ain't good. If we back up, we back into sight. If we go forward, we'll get perforated. And if we stay here, the result's the same. Greasewood don't stop lead. We gotta summon reinforcements. Buck turned toward the cabin. You men inside! We now give the signal! Rush them from that side! They can't shoot two ways at once! We're ready when you are! Now! Laramie and Anders recklessly leapt to their feet and rushed down the slight slope that led to the edge of the gulch, shooting as they went. They might have been riddled before they had gone a dozen steps, but the outlaws had recognized the truth of Laramie's statement. They couldn't shoot two ways at once, and they feared to be trapped in the gulch with attackers on each side. The outlaws burst into view at the end of the wash farthest from town, mounted and spurring hard, the big leader still carrying a limp figure across his saddle. Damn it! The sheriff ran after them, blazing away with both six-shooters. Laramie followed him. The fleeing men were shooting backward as they rode, and one of the men reeled in his saddle and caught at his shoulder, died suddenly red. Laramie's longer legs carried him past the sheriff, but he didn't run far. As the outlaws pulled out of range toward the desert and the Diablos, he stopped and began reloading his gun. Let's round up the men, Bob. We'll follow them. I know the water holes. Oh, no. Ten yards behind him, Bob Anders sank to the desert floor. Laramie started toward Anders just as the men from the cabin burst into view. Ahead of them rode a man on a pinto, and Buck Laramie knew that pinto. Get him! He shot Bob Anders in the back! I seen him! He's a Laramie! Buck stopped dead in his tracks. That was the man who tried to ambush him an hour or so before. Same pinto, same white hat. But he was a total stranger to Laramie. How the devil did he know Buck? And what did he have against him? Laramie had no time to try to figure it out now. He could see the rage in the men approaching. Any attempt at explanation would be fatal. He knew nobody would listen. Out of the frying pan and into the fire. The naked desert was behind him, and his horse was still standing behind the Anders' cabin, with a mob between him and that cabin. But only his accuser was mounted, and probably didn't know that Buck had a horse behind the cabin and would try to reach it. The others were too frenzied to think anything. They were simply firing away, so unhinged with a mob impulse they weren't even aiming, which was all that saved Laramie. He ducked for the dry wash, running almost at a right angle with his attackers. The only man able to intercept him was White Hat, who was bearing down on him, shooting from the saddle with a Winchester. Laramie wheeled and fired. White Hat flinched sideways and dropped his rifle. Laramie took the last few yards and dived out of sight in the wash. He saw White Hat spurring out of range, too energetically to be badly wounded, and it looked to Buck like his bullet had nearly knocked the gun out of the man's hands. The others had spread out and were coming down the slope at a run. Buck didn't want to kill any of those men. They were just law-abiding citizens acting under a misapprehension. So he emptied his gun over their heads and was gratified to see them take cover. Then, without pausing to reload, he ducked low and ran for the opposite end of the wash, which ran on an angle that would bring him near the cabin. By the time they had realized he wasn't where they thought he was anymore, Laramie was out the other end and racing across the road toward the cabin. He ducked around the corner with lead nipping at his ears and vaulted into the saddle of his horse. Just then, Judy Anders ran out the rear door, her eyes wide with fright. What's happened? 
Where's Bob? Bob's been hurt. I don't know how bad. I gotta ride because- Get away from him, Judy! He shot Bob in the back! It's a lie. I ain't got time to explain. Hope Bob ain't hurt bad. Then he was away, crouching low in his saddle with bullets singing past him. It seemed he'd been hearing lead whistle all day, and he was getting damn sick of it. He looked back once. Behind the cabin, Judy Anders was bending over a limp form that the men had carried in from the desert. Damn it all! That day in San Leon, history was indeed repeating itself. For a time, Laramie rode eastward, skirting the desert, and glad of a breathing spell. The sorrel had profited by its rest behind the Anders' cabin, and was fairly fresh. Buck had a good lead on the pursuers he knew would be hot on his trail, but he headed east instead of north, the direction in which lay his real goal, the boxed W Ranch. He didn't expect to be able to throw them off his scent entirely, but he did hope to confuse them and gain a little time. Buck had one friend in San Leon County, Joel Waters. Maybe he could shed some light on things. Buck had been forging eastward for perhaps an hour, when, looking backward from a steep rise, he saw a column of riders approaching some two miles away through a cloud of dust. That would be the posse following his trail, and that meant that the sheriff was either still unconscious or dead. Laramie wheeled down the slope on the other side and headed north hunting hard ground that would not betray a pony's hoofprint. Dusk was fast setting when he rode into the yard of the Box W. He was glad of the darkness, for he had feared that some of Water's ranch hands might have been in San Leon that day and seen him. But he rode up to the porch without encountering anyone and saw the man he was hunting sitting there, pulling at a corncob pipe. Waters rose and came forward with his hand outstretched as Laramie swung from the saddle. <laughs> You growed. I'd never knowed you if I hadn't been expecting you. You don't favor your brothers none. Look a lot like your dad did at your age, though. You pushed your horse hard. Yeah. I just got through shooting me a sheriff. Waters jerked the pipe from his mouth. What? Just ask the upright citizens of San Leon that's trailing me. Buck tersely and concisely told the old rancher what had happened in San Leon and on the desert. Waters listened in silence, puffing smoke slowly. That sure don't sound good. But about all I can do right now is feed you. Put your horse in the corral. I'd rather hide him near the house if I could. That posse's liable to hit my sign and trail me here any time. I want to be ready to ride. Yeah, blacksmith's shop behind the house. Come on. After taking care of Buck's horse with hay and water, Laramie followed Joel back to the house. The younger man carried the saddlebags over his arm. I had just finished eating before you come. Cooked a lot, so there's plenty left. Uh, sounds good to me. <laughs> Ain't you ever gonna get married, Joel? Oh, sure. I just gotta have time to decide what type of woman would make me the best wife. Laramie grinned. Waters was well past 60 and had been giving that reply as far back as Buck could remember. The old man sat, gripping his pipe between his teeth, as Laramie disposed of a steak, eggs, beans, and potatoes, and tamped it down with a man-sized chunk of apple pie. You're following blind trails. Maybe I can help you. Maybe. Do you have any idea who the gent on the showy pinto might be? Yeah, not many such paints in these parts. 
What'd the man look like? Well, I didn't get a close-range look at him, of course. Uh, from what I saw, he looked to be short, thick-set, and he wore a short beard and mustache so big it plumb ambushed his pan. Why, hell. Oh, that's bound to be Mark Raleigh. He rides a flashy pinto, and he's got the biggest set of whiskers in San Leon. Who is he? He owns the Red Load Saloon now. Come here about six months ago and bought it off old Charlie Ross. Well, that don't help none. Say, did this hombre ride up from Mexico? Uh, he come in from the east. Of course, he could have come from Mexico at that. He'd have circled the desert. Nobody but you Laramie's ever hit straight across it. He ain't said he come from Mexico original, and he ain't said he ain't. Hmm. What about this new gang that calls themselves Laramies? Ah, plain coyotes. Us San Leon folks was just getting on our feet again after the wreck your brothers made of us when this outfit hit the country. They've robbed and stolen and looted till most of us are right back where we was six years ago. They've done more damage in a few weeks than your brothers did in three years. I ain't been so bad hit as some, because I got the toughest, straightest shooting crew of cowpunchers in the county. But most of the cowmen around San Leon are mortgaged to the hilt, and stand to lose their outfits if they get looted anymore. Eli Harrison, he's president of the bank now, since your brothers killed old man Brown, Eli's been good about taking mortgages and handing out money, but he can't go on doing it forever. Does everybody figure they're the Laramies? <laughs> Why not? They send letters to the cowmen saying they'll wipe out their whole outfit if they don't deliver them so many hundred head of beef stock, and they sign them letters with the Laramie name. They're hiding out in the Diablos like you all did. There's always the same number in the gang, and they can make a getaway through the desert, which nobody but the Laramies ever did. I'd believe they was the genuine Laramies myself, not for a couple of reasons. One being, you wrote me in your letter that you was the only Laramie left, uh, you didn't give no details. Man's reputation always follows him. A barroom gladiator got Jim. Hank got that gunfight the next week, but was shot up so bad himself that he died. Uh, Tom joined the revolutionaries, and the ruralists cornered him in a dry wash. Took him ten hours and three dead men to get him. Luke was killed in a barroom brawl in Santa Maria by a gunfighter called Killer Rollins. They said Luke reached first, but Rollins beat him to it. I don't know. Rollins skipped that night. I've always thought Luke got a dirty deal some way. He was the best one of the boys. If I ever meet Rollins... Wait a minute. You said there was two reasons you knew these coyotes wasn't Laramie's. What's the other one? They work different. Your brothers was bad. They killed prompt, but they killed clean. These lowlifes ain't content with just stealing our stock. They burn down ranch houses and poison water holes. Jim Bannerman of the Lazy Bee didn't leave them 200 steers in a draw like they demanded in one of them letters. A couple of days later, we found nothing but smoking ruins at the Lazy Bee, with Jim's body burned up inside, and all his punchers dead or shot up. And the Laramies are getting the blame. I thought my brothers dragged the name low, but these devils are hauling it right down into hell. Joe, listen to me. I come back here to pay money my brothers stole from San Leon. I'm staying. 
to pay a bigger debt. Uh, cleaning out that snake's den is the best way I know of paying it. From all I can see, everything points to this Mart Rawley being connected with the gang somehow. He must have been the one that shot Bob Anders. He was ahead of the other fellas. They couldn't see him for a rise in the ground. He might have been aiming at me. Or he might have just wandered Anders out of the way. Anyway, I'm heading for the Diablos tonight. I know you're willing to hide me here, but you can help me more if nobody suspects you're helping me. I'm leaving those saddlebags with you. If I don't come back out of the Diablos, you'll know what to do with the money. So long. So long, Buck. I'll take care of the money. If they get crowding you too close, duck back here. And if you need help in the hills, try to get word back to me. I can still draw a bead with a Winchester, and my men will back my play. I won't forget this, Joe. Absorbed in his thoughts, Buck forgot for an instant that he was a hunted man and relaxed his vigilance. As he stepped out onto the veranda, he didn't stop to think that he was thrown into bold relief by the light behind him. He leapt back, wheeled, and halted in dismay. Joe! With his heart in his mouth, Laramie dropped beside his friend. Where'd it get you? Uh, low down, through the leg. Waters was already sitting up and whipping his bandana around his leg for a tourniquet. Come out with your hands up, Laramie! Nothing to worry about. You better get going. Buck took the bandana from Joel and began nodding it tightly. You can't find a whole posse. We got you cornered. Uh, they must have left their horses and crept up on foot. Sneak out the back way before they surround the house. That's Mark Raleigh talking. And I reckon it was him that shot. He aims to get you before you have time to ask questions or answer any. Even if you went out there with your hands up, he'd still kill you. Get going, damn it! All right. Tell him I held a gun on you and made you feed me. It ain't time for him to know we're friends. Not yet. Then he was gliding into the back part of the house and slipping through a window into the outer darkness. Damn it, Crawley! Why'd you fire before we took up positions? You men, spread out and surround the place. In the blacksmith shop, Laramie groped in the dark, tightened the cinch on his horse, and slipped on the bridle. He worked fast and was about to lead the horse outside. Hey, did you hear something? Laramie swung into the saddle, ducked his head low to avoid the lintel of the door, and kicked his horse's ribs. The sorrel hurtled through the door like a thunderbolt. A man jumped frantically out of the way, tripped and fell flat on his back, discharging his Winchester in the general direction of the Big Dipper. The horse and its rider went past him like a thundering shadow to be swallowed in the darkness. Midnight found Laramie deep in the Diablos. He halted, tethered his horse, and spread his blankets at the foot of a low cliff. <sighs> Night was not the time to venture further along the rock-strewn paths and treacherous precipices of the Diablos. He slept fitfully, his slumber disturbed by dreams of a girl kneeling beside a wounded man. With the first gray of dawn, he was riding familiar trails that would lead him to the cabin in the hidden canyon that he knew so well, the old hideout of his brothers, where he believed he would find the new band which was terrorizing the country. The hideout had but one entrance, a rock-walled tunnel. How the fake gang could have learned of the place, Laramie had no idea. The hideout was in a great bowl, on all sides of which rose walls of jumbled rock, impassable to a horseman. 
It was possible to climb the cliffs near the entrance of the tunnel, which, if the fake gang were following the customs of the real Laramies, would be guarded. Half an hour after sunrise found him gazing through the underbrush that masked his approach to the tunnel entrance. His horse he'd left concealed among the rocks at a safe distance. He saw, half hidden by a rock, a man in a tattered brown shirt who sat at the mouth of the canyon entrance, his hat pulled low over his eyes, and a Winchester across his knees. <laughs> Some sentry. Laramie had the drop on him, but a shot would warn those inside the canyon. So he retreated to a point where he would not be directly in the line of the guard's vision if the man roused, and began working his way to a spot a few hundred yards to the left, where, as he knew from his youth, he could climb to the rim of the canyon. In a few moments, he had clambered up to a point from which he could glimpse the booted feet of the guard sticking from behind the rock. Laramie's flesh crawled at the thought of being picked off with a rifle bullet like a fly off a wall if the guard looked his way. But the guard's boots didn't move, and Buck dislodged no stones large enough to make an alarming noise, and presently, he heaved himself over the crest of the rim and lay on his belly, gazing down into the canyon below him. As he looked down into the bowl, which had once been like a prison to him, his bitter memories mingled with a brief sorrow at the loss of his family. After all, they were his brothers, and had been kind to him in their rough way. Buck remembered his old jackknife, a beautiful implement and the pride of his boyhood, stolen from him and hidden by his brother Tom for a joke a few days before they started for Mexico. Tom had forgotten all about it, and Buck had been too proud to beg him for it. But Tom had remembered sometime later, in Mexico. Well, here you go, baby brother. <gasps> My knife! Well, no, it ain't, but it's just like the other one. I stuck your old one in the cushions of that Morris chair you used to sit on all the time. You never noticed, you little dummy. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a... Yeah, and what does that make you? <laughs> Buck shook off the bittersweet memory, focusing on the task at hand. The cabin below him hadn't changed in the passing of the years. Smoke was pouring out of the chimney, and in the corral at the back, horses were milling about in an attempt to escape the ropes of two men who were seeking saddle mounts for the day. Shaking out his lariat, Laramie crept along the canyon rim until he reached a spot where a stunted tree clung to the very edge. He tied the rope to this tree, knotted it at intervals for handholds, and threw the other end over the cliff. It hung 15 feet short of the bottom, but that was near enough. As he went down it, with a knee hooked about the thin strand to take some of the strain off his hands, he grinned thinly as he remembered how he had used this descent long ago when he wanted to dodge Big Jim, who was waiting at the entrance to give him a licking. Wish he was here with me now. We'd mop up these scum by ourselves. Dangling at the end of the rope at arm's length, he dropped, <coughs> narrowly missing a heap of jagged rocks going to all fours from the impact. Bending low, sometimes on hands and knees, he headed circuitously for the cabin, keeping it between himself and the men in the corral. To his own wonderment, he reached the cabin without hearing any alarm sounded. Maybe the occupants, if there were any in the canyon beside the men he had seen, had gone out the back way to the corral. He hoped so. Cautiously, he raised his head over a windowsill and peered inside. He could see no one in the big room that constituted the front part of the cabin. Behind this room, he knew, were a bunk room and kitchen, and the back door was in the kitchen. There might be men in those back rooms, 
but Buck was willing to take the chance. He wanted to get in there and find a place where he could hide and spy. The door wasn't locked. He pushed it open gently and stepped inside with cat-like tread. His colt poked ahead of him. Stick him up! Buck felt the barrel of a six-gun jammed hard against his backbone. He froze and let his gun fall to the floor. There was nothing else for it. The door to the bunk room swung open, and two men came out with drawn guns. A third emerged from the kitchen. All were strangers to Laramie. He ventured to twist his head to look at his captor and saw a big-boned, powerful man with a scarred face grinning at him. <laughs> you ain't so slick for a Laramie. I seen you sneaking through the brush ten minutes ago, and we've been watching you ever since. I seen you aim to come and make yourself to home, so I appointed myself a welcome committee of one behind the door. Hey, Joe, give me a piece of rope. Mr. Laramie's gonna stay with us for a spell. <clears throat> Scarface shoved Laramie into an old Morris chair that stood near the kitchen door. Laramie remembered that chair well. The brothers had brought it with them to the cabin when they left their ranch home in the foothills. As they were tying him up, he was trying to catch a nebulous memory that had something to do with that chair. Two more men entered from the bunk room. One was a tall, heavily built man whose figure looked somehow familiar. I'm guessing you're Big Jim. Yeah, I am. With a mask on, nobody can tell the difference. The other man was of an entirely different type. He was middle-aged and pale-faced, but that face was bleak and flinty. Except for his high-heeled riding boots, he was dressed in town clothes, though the well-worn butt of a 45 jutted from a holster at his thigh. Scarface hooked thumbs in his belt and rocked back on his heels with an air of huge satisfaction. Evidently, Scarface had a flair for the dramatic. Mr. Harrison, I take pleasure in making you acquainted with Mr. Buck Laramie, the last of a family of honest horse thieves. And Mr. Laramie, since you ain't long for this here weary world, I'm likewise honored to introduce you to Mr. Eli Harrison, high man of our outfit and president of the Cattlemen's Bank of San Leon. Shut up, you idiot. That tongue of yours wags too loose, Braxton. Eli Harrison, pretty smooth. Generously helping out the same ranchers your coyotes ruin, not forgetting to grab a healthy mortgage while doing it. And you was a big hero and shot it out with the bandits when they come for your bank. <laughs> Only nobody gets hurt on either side. Unconsciously, Buck leaned further back in the Morris chair. And a lightning jolt of memory hit him just behind the ear. His fingers, hidden by his body from the eyes of his captors, began fumbling between the cushions of the chair. Laramie's heart almost choked him. It seemed too good to be true. Yet there was no reason to suppose anybody had found and removed the knife his brother Tom had hidden there. His doubts were set at rest as his fingers encountered a smooth, hard object. It was not until that moment that he realized that Eli Harrison was speaking to him. Why didn't you mind your own business? How do you know I come here just to spoil your game? Then why did you come here? Just how much did you know about our outfit before today? Did you already know I was behind this? The knife was open at last. He jammed the handle deep between the cushions and the chair back, wedging it securely. The tendons along his wrists ached. It had been hard work manipulating the knife with his cramped fingers, able to move just so far. You know, 
I was kind of ashamed of my name till I seen how much lower a man could go than my brothers ever went. As he spat, Buck leaned forward, dragging the rope on his wrists hard across the knife edge, and as he leaned back, he reversed the movement. He continued the work, moving more subtly as he spoke. Using my name for your dirty business sticks in my craw. Maybe I didn't come to San Leon to spoil your game, but maybe I decided to after I seen some of your work. <laughs> well, that chance you've got of that. In another month, I'll own every ranch within 30 miles of San Leon. I figured that was the idea. Just how much do you think you know? How much did you tell Joel Waters? None of your damn business. You know, I'd be more cooperative if I were you. I've got men here who'd think nothing of shoving your feet in the fire. Hell, they'd enjoy it. Not that it matters. We're all set anyway. Got ready when we heard you'd written in. It just means we move tonight instead of a month later. But if you can prove to me that you haven't told anybody about me, well, we can carry out our original plans. And you'll save your life. <laughs> we might even let you join the outfit. Well, now, that'd be mighty tempting if I were a low-down bastard like you. Why, you! As Harrison lurched forward, Buck shot from the chair like a steel spring. One hand ripped Harrison's coat from its holster, the other knotted into a fist. Harrison fell back into the midst of the men who stood behind him. Reach for the ceiling, all of ya! I'm dealing this hand! For an instant, the scene held. Then Scarface made a movement to duck behind a chair. Even as his pistol muzzle moved in its short arc toward Scarface, Laramie backed toward the door. The tall outlaw who had impersonated Big Jim went for his gun. Laramie felt hot wind fan his cheek, but the tall outlaw was sagging back and down. It all happened so quickly that the others had barely unholstered their guns as Buck reached the threshold. He fired at Braxton, saw the scar-faced one drop his gun, and then Buck was slamming the door from the outside. His long legs flung him across the canyon floor. He had seen the one thing that might save him, a horse saddled and bridled, tied to the corral fence. With one movement, he ripped loose the tether and swung aboard. Over his shoulder, he saw the men spreading out to head him off in the dash they expected him to make toward the head of the canyon. But Buck wrenched his horse around and spurred into the corral through the gate which the outlaws had left half open. Yeah! Yeah! Then Laramie was the center of a milling whirlpool of maddened horses as he fired into the air and lashed them with a quirt hanging from the horn. One of the men ran to obey Harrison's command, but as he did, the snorting beasts came thundering through. Only a frantic leap backward saved the man from being trampled to death. Then Buck was dashing through the scattering horde and drawing out of six-gun range. We done better than I hoped! They gotta round up their brocks before they hit my trail, that's gonna take time. Thought of the guard waiting at the canyon entrance didn't sober him. Only way out is through the tunnel. Let's hope the guard will think the shooting was just a family affair and won't drill a jet from inside the canyon. Anyway, old paint, we'll take it on the run. A Winchester fired from the mouth of the tunnel. Doubtless the first shot had been a warning, and the sentry was puzzled by his approach. Laramie gave no heed. He ducked low and kicked his horse's ribs. He could see the rifle now, the blue muzzle resting on a boulder, and the ragged crown of a hat behind it. Even as he saw it, flame spurted from the rifle barrel. Laramie's horse stumbled as lead plowed through the fleshy part of its shoulder. That stumble saved Buck's life, for it lurched him out of the path of the next slug. His own six-gun answered back. 
The bullet ricocheted off the rock beside the rifle muzzle. Dazed and half-blinded by splinters of stone, the outlaw sentry reeled back into the open and fired without aim. Buck's answering bullet knocked the guard down as if he'd been hit with a hammer. The rifle flew out of his hands. Laramie jerked the half-frantic Mustang back on its haunches and dived out of the saddle to grab for the rifle. Damn! It struck the sharp edge of a rock as it fell. The lock was bent and the weapon useless. He cast it aside disgustedly, wheeled toward his horse, and then halted to stare down at the man he had shot. The fellow had hauled himself to a half-sitting position. His face was pallid and blood oozed from a round hole in his shirt. He was dying, and Laramie saw that his victim was hardly more than a boy. He must be Buck Laramie. Yeah. Anything? Anything I can do? In spite of his pain, the boy grinned. Thought so. Nobody but a Laramie could ride so reckless and shoot so straight. Oh, seems funny. Being plugged by Laramie after they was my heroes most of my life. What? I always wanted to be like you. Nobody could ride and shoot and fight like Laramie's. That's why I joined up with these polecats. They said they were starting up a gang that was to be just like the Laramie's. They ain't. They're dirty coyotes. Once I started it with them, though, I had to stick. <coughs> Buck was speechless. You, be you better go and race posse if you're aiming to get them. It's gonna be hell to pay tonight. How's that? <laughs> you got him scared. <laughs> Harrison's afraid he might have told Joel Waters he was boss man. That's why he come here last night. They aimed to keep stealing for another month. Old Harrison would have had most of the ranches around here by then. Foreclosed mortgages. When Mark Raleigh failed to get you, Harrison sent out word for the boys to get together here today. They figured on hunting you down if the posses from San Leon hadn't already got you. If they found out you didn't know nothing and hadn't told nobody nothing, they just aimed to kill you and go on like the plan from the first. <clears throat> But if they didn't get you, or found out you talked, they aimed to make their big cleanup tonight. And then ride. What's the big cleanup? They're going down tonight and burn Joel Waters' ranch buildings, and the sheriffs, and some of the other big ones. They'll drive all the cattle off to Mexico over the old Laramie Trail. Then old Harrison will divide the loop, and the gang will scatter. If he finds you ain't spilled the works about him being the top man, he'll stay in San Leon. That was his idea from the start. Ruin the ranchers, buy up the outfits cheap, and be the king of San Leon. How many men's he got? Between 25 and 30. <coughs> oh, I ought not to be squealing, maybe. Take the Laramie way. But I wouldn't to nobody but a Laramie. Laramie was silent, calculating the force he could put in the field. Waters' cowpunchers were all he could be sure of. Six or seven men at the most, not counting the wounded Waters himself. The odds were stacking up. Got smoke. Laramie rolled a cigarette and placed it between the kid's blue lips. <laughs> Looking back down the canyon, Laramie saw men saddling mounts. Precious time was passing, but he couldn't bring himself to leave the dying boy. Get going. You got a tough job ahead of you. 
but I'm betting on the Laramies. <laughs> the real ones. <laughs> the cigarette slipped from his lips. <sighs> Laramie rose heavily and groped for his horse, trembling in the shade of the rock. Another debt to be marked up against the Laramies. He swung aboard and galloped through the tunnel to where his own horse was waiting, a faster mount than the one he was riding. And that's this week's show. Please write to us at thesoniccsociety at gmail.com, find out all kinds of news about the audio drama world at sonicsociety.org, and check out the Facebook groups and Twitter for more announcements. Until our season finale next Tuesday and the completion of The Last Ride from Graphic Audio Productions, I'm David Alt. And I'm Jack Ward. Don't forget to have a listen to Sonic Echo this Thursday, and good night, everyone. Good night. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. This is Jack Ward, and on behalf of everyone here at the Mutual Audio Network, we wish you, your family, and all your friends safe harbor during these difficult times.